Hey everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Overlay, a poker podcast brought to you by CCG Poker and Paramount Social Club. What up, Brando? What up, what up? Hey, hey, we just got done with the, well, not like, like we didn't just get done, but we just got done with the biggest event of Charity Poker Weekend in Chicago. That was pretty wild. Yeah, it was a nice turnout. It was good. Yeah, I mean, for the post-COVIDness, which uh, is a thing now, um... You know, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Three hundred. It's like New Age Black Friday. Like yeah. we're out of the old like retro where it was like we know there's going to be five hundred early bird players there. I yeah, mean, where it's over thirty tables at CCG on Black Friday that are all jammed full, and there's a hundred people waiting in line to get in. So like the lines are gone. I think it's kind of a combination because a lot of people were like, "Yeah, I heard the lines were like really crazy, but they're not like that here." And I was like, "Well." we've kind of accommodated for it. And um, with COVID, there are still players that are not coming. Um, like the big groups are still a little bit squeamish. So all in all, great weekend. Good times. Uh, they had a big Black Friday uh, for Texas at Paramount for their version of the Black Friday early bird. Uh, they did a 5K guarantee. I think the price pool got up to... Uh, no, he was a 4K guarantee, and they got it close to like 55, almost 6K. It was nuts. It was a really good turnout there. But I was oh, texting, I was texting Dave, the 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 new GM down there, and um, I was like, oh, I was like, how you doing? He's like, ah, eight tables might go to nine. I was like, Psh, that's nothing. There's 20, 20 something tables here. How many do we have going for the bird? Twenty. I think we had twenty one in the bird, mm-hmm. and then six in the five eighty plus cash games. Plus yeah, I was like, yeah, eat that. And he was like, you're a big show off. It was great. It was a really funny text interchange. But anyways, that's uh, the opening. Hey, Brando, what are we going to talk about today? Tens. Pocket tens, the number one toughest premium poker hand. Wait, hold on. Let me try that again. Pocket tens, the toughest premium hold'em hands by ranked of the overlay of the top six most difficult hold'em hands to play hold'em with. It's pretty good. A lot of hold-ups in there. Yeah, I always think it's funny. Like, I think one of my favorite jokes is uh, in the movie Dodgeball when they're the Dodgeball Association of America. No, wait, the United States Association of Dodgeball per Americans or, or something. They use America in there twice. The American Dodgeball Association of America. That's what it is. So I feel, <laughs> I feel like this is the top hold'em, hold'emist hands of hold'em difficult. Hold, I don't know. I just I, I find that quite funny. Anyways, uh, we have discussed this a little bit that pocket tens are clearly the number six on it's a it's a mild stretch to include pocket tens with as like the sixth. Uh, yeah, I think you just I, I'm going to interject my I hate tens. Um, you hate tens, I hate and tens. but this is why they're so hard. It's because they're so hard to play. I guess. I mean, I'm I'm kind of proving my own story of how much I dislike tens. I'm like tens are garbage. Like I. If I'm at the World Series and I got tens, fuck it, I'm just folding. I ain't even. I ain't gonna play. Yeah, it. see, I think you don't play enough tournaments to realize like the value of, of tens in a whole lot of spots. Because like you can just play, you play a lot of cash games or tens. You can just you can play them however the hell you want. Yeah. You want to turn tens into deuces and set mine them cool. You want to turn tens into a premium high pocket pairing kings and try and wrap a big hand and get three unders and pound away like you got kings. You can do that too. So, I mean, you know, especially in the cash game area uh, of poker, you know, tens can be played 
a wide variety of ways. And you just lean towards the kind of suck. I'm going to play him conservatively. Pretty conservatively, range. Yeah. In all fairness, but, though, the next hand on that kind of list is Jacks, and we we've already said Jacks and tens play very similar, and I think Jacks the same way. Like for me, I don't get premium premium where I'm willing to kind of ride or die. It's really queens are better, and even queens are kind of suspect. They're kind of on my fence of ride or die. It's really aces, kings, and ace king. If I lose with any of those three hands, I don't care. Queens, I'm always like, eh. Jacks, I'm like, Ugh. Tens, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> That's the Ken breakdown right there. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. You can just sum up some of this. Uh, That's the whole podcast episode. Podcast. Bye, everybody. Right there. I had a really good joke at Thanksgiving. We were talking about somebody's gout. I don't know how this came up at the dinner table, but we're discussing gout. And they were talking about how it had to do with like health and dietary things can do it and how, you know, walking more often causes it to flame up. And somebody said something like, I'm sure if he improved his diet, it would help. And I announced, I don't gout it. It was, it was really was good. good. And then I totally did the, that's it. Good night, everybody. And I just, I, wanted, I walked out. I walked like, out of the it. room. I'm done. Dinner's over. All right. Back to tens. Bring us back to reality, Brandon. I'm, I'm on here. I mean, the reality of tens mm-hmm. is they're so hard to play because, you know, the reality of tens is there's no, like, way we can really tell you how to play them because they're so hard to play. Mm-hmm. And they are number one on uh, our list. They are. They are. And, you know, they're just tough. I mean, if if, if, if we're going to dive into times and we're ready to, you know, talk about some tournament yeah, situations. Yeah, I think we're ready for times. I mean, yeah. Just because, I mean, going along with this structure, we had always, we'd been going up the big blind scale, right? Yeah. And, you know, we kind of had laid out some specific strategies based on how many big blinds you have and when you can possibly fold queens and when when jack shrivel up and, you know, all these different spots and how to play ace-king when you miss the flop. Tens, I think, is a lot more back to, like, pre-flop. You know, like, your your decision with tens is going to come pre-flop more so than a lot of these and now obviously post-flop it's very hard to play because there's going to be an overcard you know 60 something percent of the time there's going to be a jack queen king or ace and you're going to have to guess when they have and when they don't but i think um you know what's going to help you out with tens is kind of you know replaying what happened pre-flop in your head to you know get yourself set up so um I, i still think when you're off of like you know when you're short under 15 big blinds, you're still ripping it all in. You're still ripping it all in over the top of somebody if they open. You know, I mean, tens are still premium enough when when, when you're short of 20 bigs. It's still going in there. I mean, you still consider tens. I found my spot. This is my spot. I'm going for it. Right. Um, so off of the 20 big blind or less, I mean, we're still getting it in there. And, and I still uh, I have a nice little stat for you. If somebody's playing a standard opening range. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're playing a standard three betting range and you open with tens and you get three bet like the correct play almost all the time. If you're off of a normal stack that stack depth is to just call and see a flop. Cause even if they have the tightest three betting range of aces, Kings, Queens, Jacks, ace, King and ace, queen suited, 
There's no bluffs in there. There's no nines, eights, seven, sixes. This is a really, really strong three-bidding range you're up against. Tens are still 38%. So 38% is pretty good when you think about like the implied odds of, of flopping a 10 and flopping right. a set against that exact range of basically specifically over pairs, right? Right. So like when you're up against, you know, one might say, oh, well, you know, you're putting in chips behind. Well, yeah, you're 38%. Plus all that implied odds of, you know, winning really, really big pots when you flop a 10 because you're up against jacks, kings, queens, aces a whole lot of the time. And a 10 high flop seems like a good flop for every hand. It does. You know, the hands you're facing, you're yeah, I mean, if you're playing what you talked about, the other premium hands, the top five, I mean, short of ace king. I mean, yeah, if you got kings, queens, jacks and the flop comes 10 high. That's pistols at dawn. You forgot your Correct. pistol. And you're literally only worried. You're only worried about being up against the set. Well, yep. you know, that's the goal is to have the hand that they're only worried about having. Yep. yep. Um, and then, you know, but the, the nice the thing trip, about, I, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, but I think the nice thing about tens and why it's worth dealing with the aggravation of tens, because like in that exact scenario, when you were up, up against a, an overpair and the flop does come 10 high and you do f- drill that set with your tens, like it, a lot of the things I think that goes through the other player's mind who's got that overpair still, they're still thinking, like, did he really do all that with with tens? Like, did he really do that with like I feel like tens are kind of sneaky when you do hit a set. I think maybe my maybe my new my new thought in tens is I think you get paid off a lot more with a set of tens versus like I don't know, if the flop was like nine high. I, I don't know. For some reason I feel like tens are sneakier than like five six sevens eights nines like if you had kings like i don't know I, maybe maybe that's any of those things are fine but i like tens in well, the sense when you do actually flop a set. Tens because the hand holds strength by itself whereas like two threes four five sixes it's kind of all or nothing right you either flop a deuce or you lose right tens are like uh i might have the best hand here it's yeah really no that's a good point too if i didn't i might still be good because it might have ace king but like when i do flop a 10 they're never going to expect it and the 10 is going to be a safe card for them yeah i can kind of see where you're saying like tens is different than like when it's eight four two and everybody's sticking all in the money it's kind of like well what do they got seems like they got a set of fours set of yeah. twos set of eights but when it's 10 nine deuce it's kind of like ah, they're gonna have a lot of stuff here besides sets oh they really i really run into tens but back to what i was saying before is i think the trick with tens is you need to make more money in all those spots that you know, you flop a set to, to make up that, you know, those implied odds you really have to cash in on in order to make tens worth it. Because they're still only 38% against the standard three-betting range. And one would assume that, you know, if you're playing in a normal tournament, somebody's three-betting range needs to be have a little more bluffs. It needs to have some balance. It needs to have some 8-7 suiteds in it. And, like, we're not even counting all of that. If they start putting any of those hands mm-hmm. in the three-betting range, well, now tens is just shooting up the rankings because anytime you can put an eight seven suited, tens are smashing eight seven suited. So that's gonna it's gonna score one for the tens there for the for the range. But um, um, as far uh, going back to you know our big blind ranking, anything twenty big blinds and south, you know we're still all in there. I think what what the hard part of tens is is facing resistance in the middle of a tournament with a middling chip stack, right? That's where everybody wants to know, how are my tens doing when I'm six off the money and I'm 55 big blinds deep and I'm getting three bet against the guy who's playing aggressively on the bubble? What do I do, right? 
that that's the real question with tens because that's that's where the make or break. You're either going to shove tens because you think that they're trying to steal, and they're going to instantly fold, and you're going to look like a genius, or you're going to shove tens four bet all in for forty four big blinds, and they're going to snap call with kings, and you're going to everyone's going to look at you and say, "What an idiot." You put in 45 big blinds on the bubble of the tournament with tens. You know what I mean? And right. I think that you're either zero to hero in those moments of being able to play tens correctly. And, and I think that, you know, your tournament life comes up and you have to make a decision with these hands like jacks, like tens, yeah. even throwing nines in there. You really feel lost because you could be so far ahead or so far behind. Um, and, and that's really where, you know, I, I, this podcast breaks down and we don't have specific answers for you. This is what everybody wants to know. What do I do with 45 big lines and tens? It's all situational dependent. I mean, everything depends on something else other than the tens. The tens is a good starting point. It's one input into the formula, but it's not like aces or kings or queens where we can just say, hey, we have this spot and we have kings. Plug it in. One answer comes out. So right. It's out all in. No, you got tens and this spot comes in and they're saying, need more input, need more input, need to know the last 50 hands of this guy, need to know where you're at on the table, need to know if the fish is two spots to your left and you're going to be able to steal from them for the next two hours. You need you need to know if you're clearly the worst player at this table and you'll take tens in this spot because you don't know when you're going to find a better spot. You know what I mean? There's no like input, output one answer for tens. Which circling all back is why it makes it the hardest hand to play. Um, you are selling me on the hardest hand to play a little bit more. My my strategy with tens. So some people say play them aggressively, play them aggressively because that way when you face resistance, you know you're probably beat. Good point. Okay, that's one way of thinking it. You know, if you if you raise three flop and then you get re raised and then you call and then it comes a nine high board and they check and you continuation. And then they raise you. Okay, this is you playing the hand really aggressively. And then you face resistance. And now you get away from it because they told you where they were at. And you kind of told them where you were at. And they could say, I'm raising you. I can beat you. That's one way of playing times. That's the way I think me and you shy away from. We would rather maybe limp, maybe raise, open, but like we're not we're not trying to put up any chips in our pot. We're not excited and nervous, like, oh man, this is gonna be my spot to put all my chips in. Tens is just another yeah. hand that I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna go through the motions, and then if things don't kinda work out for me with the situation and not getting three bet and four bet, and you know, I wanna be in position, but if I'm not in position, it's okay because every time the board comes Queen Jack four or King eight six and I face resistance or ace jack nine all those times i'm content with just losing the small amount of money i put in there you know maybe it'll check through twice and i'll be able to get one street of value at tens on the river this is the way i think that me and you are trying to play tens yeah small pots nickel and dime yes we have a great hand but this isn't going to be how we're going to hang our tournament on it we're going to you know go for a street or two at of any value. second i'm ready to jump ship here right Correct. At any we're, ready, we're looking at we're looking forward to a wave. To we're looking for somebody just to, to rock the boat a little bit, like, oh, fuck it, I'm out. Choom, jump off, you know? 
Correct. Where I think other people are like, you know what? I'm going to try and be the wave. Pens are a premium. Like, I'm not going to get exploited. Because what I've, ends up happening. I've never is been more impressed exploited. than when you said, be the wave. I'm going to be the wave, Brandon. Yeah. I love it. The problem is, is, you know, you play pens this way, and now these massively wide ranges can put pens in the blender in an instant. And you can get a guy raising with five, four of diamonds, you flatten with tens and ace high flop coming him down batting one six to the pot and you fold. Him. And I mean, that's a bad play. I mean, I mean, this is the way that we kind of set ourselves up to play tens, right? But we just got owned in a small little tray. Yep. And, and if we're going to be the ones that, you know, we, we need to be the way, you know what? Tell that five, four of diamonds, let's three bet his ass. You want to come along an ace high board? Cool. I'm repping ace king. I'm going to see bet with my tens. Oh, you called once? Cool. I'm going to blast away with tens again, turning my hand into a bluff. And he folds five four diamonds. And that's the way some people play tens. But, you know, you got to stack up that second way compared to the first way of just, you know, baby footing around and scared of every overcard and not trying to put more than five, seven big blinds in the pot. In both of those, both of those styles are completely right and completely wrong, depending on the situation. And, and you know, you need to decide which way, which time it is. You know, are you gonna are you gonna you know get rocked, or are you gonna be the be the wave? Get rocked or be the wave. I am uh, not quite sure which way. Yeah, I want yeah, to write go. that down. Right, everybody, write that down. Get your notepad out. Right. Top of the page. Rock the boat or be the winner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but but seriously. Um, no, it's true, and it's really good. You know, tens are just so hard, man. Like, it really feels bad. I, I guess one spot that we can actually specifically talk about is, um, and, and this is a spot that I kind of, I've learned throughout the years of watching my Twitch TV and my my guys uh, that I used to watch when I was a twenty something grinding ten dollar tournaments and now they're all millionaires and mm-hmm. here I am still grinding ten dollar tournaments. But uh, anyways, um, there there is a spot with these middle these jacks tens nines where a player that you're up against an opponent kind of either a caps their range. Yeah, we're going to say they cap the range. And, and, and by doing so, basically they're saying that the way they've played this hand, they don't have aces, kings, or queens because they wouldn't play it this way. So, uh, you know, wh- why would aces, kings, or queens shove 44 big blinds? That seems much more like a sixes, sevens, eights, and ace, king type of hand. Right. More than why would, you know, you want to get – extreme value from these aces kings and queens you don't want to price anybody out you want it to be inviting well all of a sudden you're in a situation where you have tens and you're getting priced out well when they cap the range this makes tens you know shoot up the rankings because now all of a sudden you're saying and again you need to know your player you need to know you know their ranges and that they're capable of doing it but maybe you've been playing with this guy for seven hours and you've seen him flip over aces three times and he's played it this way and you've seen him flip over ace king twice and play it another way well this is one of those spots where you know you see his range is capped and now you say okay ace is gone king's gone queen's gone well now a hand like jacks tens or nines really seems strong yeah because you're saying they're going to be up against ace king ace queen or these middle pocket pairs where they don't want to see a flop you know like we talked about it's unexploitable just to rip it in with sixes 
sevens, eights. You know, you can see five cards. You don't have to worry about which over cards come up. You still have a strong pair. Well, this is the kind of spot you want to have tens in when their range is ace, king, ace, queen, eight, seven, sixes, and fives. Yep. So that is a specific, you know, and, and again, this is a very specific spot, but most people are going to be very inviting with the toppest, tippy top of their ranges. So when you see them deviate and, and you know, choose a massive sizing or like a, you know, um, let's just say, for example, they raise from like under the gun, middle position. They raise from middle position off of a 70 big blind stack. And you got uh, 38 bigs and you put in a three bet with tens. So like, you know, standard seven big blinds, leaving you with 30 big blinds behind. And then they just jam all in for 40. You know, they have you covered. You're all in for 38 bigs. This is a spot where at first glance, you'd say, oh, I'm probably crushed here. But when you start to dissect it and say, why are they shoving 30 more big blinds on me? If they have aces, kings, or queens, or these huge hands, even ace, king, why wouldn't they just go for the normal four-bet sizing of 16 bigs, half of my stack? Yeah. Why are they putting me to the full test here? And to be true, when they come back with 16, 17 bigs and they click me back and four-bet me, my tens then shrivel up, right? Because then I'm like, oh, man, I'm up against aces, I'm up against kings, I'm up against queens. But this time they didn't do that. They elected to just shove all in, blast all off. You know, call me if you like your hand. Well, now I'm taking out the aces, kings, queens, and I'm saying, oh, they might have sevens, eights. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're, they, they're off a big stack. They're just putting me to the test. I've been playing a little tight lately. You know, maybe they got ace, queen, which you're fine with taking a race with tens. I mean, when tens, uh, when a race is the worst case scenario, you're fist pumping. The other scenario is 80 20. You're smashing them. So, like, that is this very specific spot where I would call with tens and take my chances that they don't have the high premiums because they played it differently. So that's kind of a that's kind of a 10 spot where if if the range is capped, pens shoot up into a very high premium. They're no longer a Ken set mining hand and they have ascended into the ranks of a dominant hand a better, that yeah. chips in. So short of that exact specific spot. Tens are a lot easier to play when you flop a ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Um, a, a note on that: don't get cute and and, and slow play your set of tens because, um, you know, you're trying to get all those chips in against the hands that are that were dominating you. You don't want to give them a chance to get off the hook or or save a bet or. You want to put them to the test with the kings because you have the kings in the ultimate spot that you I you know you roll your eyes and you get pissed every time you get knocked out of the tournament with kings on a ten high board. But those guys are still calling, that. right? Those guys are still piling in all their chips because they should be because they have a huge hand. So don't let them off the hook here and get cute and check back and then bet small turn and then bet the river and then they call and they saved half their chips. No. Start fearless. I'm going to bet the flop like I got aces. I'm going to continue to turn like I got aces. Oh, you got kings? You should be scared of aces. Oops. Sorry. Three tens. You lose. (laughs) Up three tens. You lose. And then tens in multi-way pots. That's multi-way pots with tens. They really do shrivel up to no longer being a premium hand. 
I mean, you're going four ways to tens. I can't even think of a flop I like. Yeah. That doesn't have a ten in it. Create your best flop that doesn't have a ten in it for tens. Four ways. Nine, six, deuce, rainbow. Right? I guess, yeah. I guess, right? And now you're up four ways. Aces, kings, queens, jacks, nine, sixes, twos. I'll be ya. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping that they have? Ten, nine suited? Sorry, you got two tens. Nine, eight suited? You think he's really just going to get in all in four ways with top pair of nines and a shitty kicker. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of in no man's land and I'm okay with shutting down feeler outs, falling to resistance. And again, guys, don't, don't be the wave in that situation. In don't, don't show your hands when the flop is nine, six deuce. And it goes like bat raise fold, And it's onto you. Don't just flip up your 10 straight up and say, like, you got me. I fold whatever. What can you have? Like, that's so much information for the table that, like, just shows you that, you know, you're a wussy. Or, you know, oh, if he's going to do this with pens, right. clearly I'm going to know when he's got aces. Only thing that can happen in that situation is that you're going to get exploited later for that information. Don't 100%. give away free information. Now, in the same yep. token, I, I want to do a side story here. Um, okay. We had a... I don't know if you were there or not. It might have been Ryan and I. But anyways, there was... Um, a floor call and uh it was a pretty big pot. I mean it wasn't a crazy big pot. It was one three games, probably like a hundred and forty, hundred and fifty dollar pot. So not crazy big, but like big enough, right? Like it wasn't big a, enough to where we just can't be like, I'm sorry, sir, here's your hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Well it was just wrong. you know, it was it was a fairly large pot. Um yeah. I don't know exactly how the action goes, but we get to showdown if it was a bet and a call. I think there was a bluff <laughs> there was a bet and a call. And the person, the first player, A, goes, um, eight high. Just yells eight high. And the other guy pitches in his two cards. Then another player says, eight high? Question mark? Like the inflection in their voice, eight high? And then the dealer looks at him again. And then the dealer mucks his cards. And she tabled her hand. Player A was a, a she. She tabled her hand. It was an eight. Just missed everything. Eight high. And it was pause, pause, pause. Player player C, who was in the ninth seat, uh, player B was like in the sixth or seventh seat, who needlessly probably didn't even need to say eight high? Like looking at this guy like you can't beat eight high? Now he didn't say you can't beat eight high. He just goes, eight high? Like seriously? That fucking gonna win this hand? And then as it turns out, the guy grabs his cards. I, I, you know, they were mocked. And he's like, oh, I had king high. And it was, I thought she said ace high. Um, moral of the story is, don't be embarrassed to show your cards at showdown. Because sometimes you may or may not win a pot. And at that point, the money, I think, would have been worth any information the players would have gotten from that. At least you got paid for that information. Don't give away free information for free. Uh, let me try that again. Don't give away information for free. At least if you're going to give away information, like showing I'm capable of a king high bluff here, uh, or calling with a king high bluff, I guess. I don't know exactly how that broke down, but it was so funny. It came down to showdown, and she goes eight high. He mucks. Pause, 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 pause. All he had to do is table his hand, and he would have won and didn't. And I was like, well, that kind of goes to show you. Table your hand occasionally. Sometimes you win with King High. Or, I don't know if this happened, but especially don't just muck your hand based on their verbal, what they say. She right. didn't lie. No. She had it high. Yep. But what if some guy's like flush, muck, 
Not a lot. I mean, oh no, I didn't actually have a flush. Right? Yeah, they got a table of hand. It's a good point. Table the hand, process it, and then muck your hand proceed or accordingly. Again, over, if it's over. an angle or not, and the other player might not have been angling, maybe they do have a flush. Cool. Just show it. Just table your hand. Put it down. And by tabling the hand, we mean place both cards face up on the table. At that point, you you have nothing left to do. You, there's nothing you can do. You can't screw anything up. You can yell all in. You get arrested. Nothing you do at that point matters because your hand is tabled. It's a live hand. That's it. Game over card speak at that point so if the man had just flipped over his cards king high tabled them and then mucked them he still would have won but yeah I, being that I've he that. he was yeah. confused and again i'm assuming that's what he meant happened that she said ace high and he was like yeah that's good and then realized later that she had eight high not ace high even though she flipped over her cards it's not like she said ace high and then didn't show her cards like she flipped them over and then said eight high which she didn't even need to have to say, but as it turned out, that was the second bluff that got through. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had a, a horseshoe pot go against me with me flipping over what I thought's the winning hand, and then the guy flipping over what he didn't know was the actual winning hand, right. and then flipping them back over and chucking them into the muck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he like tabled his ace queen high or whatever it yep. was, and then flipped it back over. And then threw it in the muck. Right. And then they, they called the floor over. I was like, well, yeah, he tabled. He tabled he his hand. Showing, he was showing that he lost. Right. Like, can you believe this dipshit beat Even me. though he mucked it, it's, it's good. Right. It's a win. And I can't table one card. Like, if, 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 if I'd have just flipped over an ace in that scenario um, to show I had an ace and then mucked, and it turned out ace high was good, you didn't table your hand. Because some people are like, well, I tabled the ace. You can't table half of your hand. You either table your complete hand, meaning you turn both cards over face up. But if you flip over one card and then muck, that's a muck. You didn't table your hand. That's always something people get with me as well. I don't know how we ended up on a tournament, uh, like a rules official thing here, but... I don't know. The point of my story there it's is... because are too hard to play. They're no, very no. hard to play, so don't screw them up by not tabling them, at least at the end. If it goes to showdown, I guess that's maybe a good point that I'm trying to make. Brandon was saying earlier, don't show your tens to bitch and moan and then fold because you have no intention of calling the flop turn a river bet to be like, ugh, can you believe I had tens and this fucking guy beat me and then mucked? That does you no good because you didn't, you can't win the hand. You can't do anything. All you're doing is giving free information to the rest of the table that says I am capable of folding tens or you could bet me off of my tens by doing this. I mean, only negative things can come from it. If you get the showdown and the betting is closed and we just have to show our hands, just flip over your hand. Like, I don't know. Everybody's so nervous. It, it never it never fails. You're just like, guys, somebody table a winner. Like, I guess we can go in order. Like, you're first to table your hand. You're second. But, like, are you really giving up that much information? In fact, it, you know, I don't know. It's very annoying to me when players don't table a hand and it takes extra long where the dealer has to say, please table your Somebody show me a winner. You got to show a winner. Yeah, I don't like it when nobody wants to show. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed at the end of the hand. If you show down, like, that's it. It's the end of the hand. I'm okay with showing it. Like, Yeah, I show show my hands with pride. Yep. I don't care. This is how I played it. You use the information against them in one way. Be aware of the fact that you're giving information away. Don't give away free information with no intention of doing anything with it other than just to lose more money. All right, enough of that. Just Um, because I I feel like the way you play, if, if everybody... If everybody can go into a tournament knowing exactly how a player plays 
nines, tens, and jacks. Like if that was just labeled over your head, like I play it this way. Mm -hmm. Like if those were labeled over your head for somebody to see, they can just exploit you and win the whole tournament. Right. Right. Like that, that's such a huge advantage. So like, don't, don't put a label over your head that this is the way I play tens here. You know what I mean? Like you're basically just giving everybody a leg up on you in one of the spots that like nobody really knows anything about you because no, when everybody go, everybody or walking into a tournament, nobody knows how you're going to play tens, jacks, queens. Like midway, Danny's going to play tens a hell of a lot different than Patty Rich is going to play tens in the same spot, in the same chips back, in the same tournament. So you know, we we don't need to. You know, they don't need. You don't need to broadcast how you're going to play it because all you're doing is giving yourself. You lost the pot because you played tens bad already, or you got exploited by them, and you showed everybody that you screwed up and you, you know you got exploited and this is how i'm gonna play tennis. well now you're just behind the eight ball and now it's like i don't want to play tens anymore give me aces because it's the only way i'm gonna win and then if you're playing if you're saying give me aces it's the only way i'm gonna win you probably shouldn't be playing the tournament because you ain't gonna win with only aces and that, that's all i couldn't, got for you couldn't have been spoken truer brandon i agree with the you. only the only information i like to show and and you know i don't know how we got here but I'm over with tens. I said my line. I said my my uh, you know spiel spiel with tens. The only information I like to show is when you you raise the button deep in the tournament or in a sit and go, and you're in the money or you're in the stealing part of the uh, tournament, and you raise the button with like an ace four, and then it folds around and you show the ace. You know, in, in your mind, that's like showing them that you're not stealing. But in reality, if you had seven deuce, you still would have raised. You just wouldn't have showed a card. So it really gives them no information. But right. I feel good about giving them that information. I've because at least in their mind, they're like, ah, I feel settled. I didn't get my. I find stolen. that to be perfectly fine as long as you don't do one of Ken's cardinal sins, and that is when you go to show you distinctly look for one specific card in your hand to show. I find that to be it that that is almost worse showing because now I know the other card's shitty. It was just an ace. Like it's a weird dynamic. Like if if I'm gonna show a card, I almost want to flip over both. And like at that point I feel like maybe players start to think one way or the other. They either think you had, you know, kings or or aces or you know what i mean like if you flip over just just you don't even wait you just flip over because like i don't care they're both such good cards it doesn't matter which one i show you because they're both yes. good or they match it's fine it never fails and the guys like you, you know they like look down find the ace and then flip that one over i'm just like well cool would you have like ace four ace seven like if you had ace king you probably would have just flipped them both over because like either ace to show an ace or a king either one would have been fine if you're like three-way action in a sit and go like all of it's good i don't know i find that to be like the you know i think i find that gives off more information too like if you're going to show cards kind of know it going in i don't yeah, know see, my, my ace is a, i'll give you a little hit my ace in in, in my holding hand is always, always on top the bottom yeah. So pay attention to where your cards are if you're planning on ever showing in a tournament to kind of rep that, oh, I had an A, so like good fold. Like don't don't try to pull that move and then like look down at your cards beforehand because it's just it it kind of ruins the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, you want to like snap, like just show you your bottom snap, card. Right. You got to snap show it. If you don't snap show it, it doesn't have the same effect. I was trying to think of an analogy, but it would be like, I don't know. It'd be like 
whatever it doesn't matter come on what do you got Crystal i was gonna say it would be like trying to show off outside of a bar and be like hey look this is my porsche i'm standing in front of and then some other guy's like boop boop and like gets in it's like doesn't have the same of like you got to be seen getting out of the porsche and handing your keys to the valet that gives off a vibe doing the all like i'm just taking pictures in front of someone else's car kind of gives the vibe of what could be your car but if it was your car why isn't the door open like it's we is that make sense like uh, hey that's you know i'm standing in spot, right i'll give it to you that was pretty good it's pretty good like getting out of the out of a sports car i've got aces i didn't need to look because they're both the fucking same and they're both aces and they're legit and it's mine yeah, and i'm getting and I'm out not, of them I'm and i owned you. it i'm not i'm not tricking you here but if i just like flash it it's just like did you just take a picture in front of somebody else's car <laughs> like, what are you doing <laughs> looking at your hand and then showing an ace is like taking a selfie in front of somebody else's car like you just look like a dipshit you didn't get any street cred from me even even though it's a cool car yeah for sure knows i might say shit. cool car but i don't think it's yours like clearly it doesn't have the same effect all right good i like that um all right thanks for listening to the overlay as always um that completes our 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 list of six. Um, I think next episode we're going to discuss a little bit more about uh, the WSOP in the Elgin area, which just happened just outside of Chicago here uh, in mid-November. Lots of cool stuff happened, and uh, I think Brandon and I are going to do a quick recap of that um, and then kind of the schedule for the rest of the, or, or I guess next year, kind of what's coming uh, to year. Chicago and the new year and all that kind of stuff. Um, I am actually going to be in Houston, so if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, and today is Thursday, December 1st, twenty. 2022. You can see Ken at Paramount Social Club at 6 p.m. tomorrow, December 2nd, for a 125 ROE game. And the nice thing is, I'm selling it at the Paramount Social Club as I'm an incredible tournament PLO player and a mediocre at best no limit player. So who really knows how I'm going to play ROE, which is round of each? Could be, could be, could be anything. I don't know. He's a good tournament PLO player. And he sucks at no limit. So how does that translate to ROE? So it's good. They've already got a solid game ready. And um, you can sign up uh, at uh, by calling the club or uh, going to Poker Atlas. You can get on the wait list there. Uh, and I'm sure Brandon and I will do another meetup game um, at the beginning of the year here in Houston yeah. for the Houston peeps. So if you want to get February a hold of Brandon. Like February seems good. February is a good time for Brandon to get out and have some fun. And you know I do loves playing the PLO. So that's good. Other than that, that's all I got. Brandon, you got anything else for us? I don't. I don't. That's it. I got I got nothing. Farewell. I'm glad that this series went well. It was a lot easier to tell you how to play Aces and Kings since, you know, they were kind of easy to play. It was. But, uh, There's a reason why tens are the most difficult hand to play of the premium hold'em hands of Texas No Limit Hold'em Hold'em. Yeah, so easy and so hard at the same time. I mean, so easy and so hard. Thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on Twitter at The Overlay Pod. Other than that, we'll catch you next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Farewell. <laughs>